Welcome to Victory Church Winchester, Virginia's weekly podcast. Our desire is that you will find Victory a place to call home. Please take a moment to subscribe and share. Here is this week's message from our Sunday morning worship experience. If you'll turn in your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 17. So we read the word of the Lord this morning. It says, Paul and Silas traveled through the towns of Amphilus, Amphilopopus, excuse me, and Apollonia. Why do they have to name these things like this? Let's be real. Then they came to Thessalonica. I spent six hours in my office trying to pronounce that. Where there was a Jewish synagogue. Verse 2, as Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue service for three Sabbaths in a row. He used scriptures to reason with the people. He explained the prophecies and proved that the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. He said, this Jesus I'm telling you about is the Messiah. Some of the Jews who listened were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, along with many God-fearing Greek men and quite a few prominent women. Amen, ladies. But some of the Jews were jealous, so they gathered some troublemakers from the marketplace to form a mob and start a riot. They attacked the home of Jason, searching for Paul and Silas so that they could drag them out to the crowd. Not finding them, they dragged out Jason and some of the other believers instead and took them before the city council. Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world, they shouted. And now they are here disturbing our city too. And Jason has welcomed them into his home. They are all guilty of treason against Caesar for the for they profess allegiance to another king named Jesus. And the people of the city, as well as the city council, were thrown into turmoil by the reports. So the officials forced Jason and the other believers to post bond, and then they released them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we transition to the message, your word, your holy word, Father, I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be holy and acceptable to you. Father, I thank you for allowing me the opportunity to share on your behalf in this church your family, your people. Father, we pray for all those that are listening to have open hearts and receptive to your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Over the past two weeks, Pastor Keith has talked about troublemakers. How many of you would identify as a troublemaker? Don't raise your hand. This is church. You can come to the altar later and ask for forgiveness. Talked about troublemakers. We learned about the ministry of a troublemaker and how Jesus upset the culture. Last week, we learned about the mentality of a troublemaker and how Daniel, in spite of what was being forced upon him, stood up for what he believed. But yet, the beauty of that was, I was sharing this with the worship team earlier, notice Daniel didn't create a riot and destroy everything and run around talking about, you don't understand, I'm being oppressed. We have a lot of people that try to do that nowadays. You have people making up stuff just so that they can be oppressed. Can I be real with you? This is going to sound really awful. All of us have something crazy with our lives. And I mean crazy, it could be wackadoo, and yes, some may be more intense than others on certain things, but we all got something. And I hate to tell you this, if we all got something, 
then nobody's is any more special than the other. Let's be realistic. You might be like, oh, but Pastor Pete, you're being insensitive to my issues. (sighs) Then tuck your toes in this morning because I'm coming for them. You might say, I used to be known as a troublemaker. I had ways that I could cause trouble. Um, I would make inappropriate jokes about a serious situation. You might say, somebody fell down the stairs. I'd say something like, well, they were up, and now they're down. Somebody might say something like, oh, well, you know, so-and-so, they got really hurt the other day. Well, they probably deserve, I was a rude person, okay? Now you see how important PL's ministry was. God changed me. But you see, so often, we may look at the idea of being a troublemaker, and especially as a Christian, we might go, oh, now I get to make some trouble. I hate to tell you this, if we are living our lives for Christ, the culture will identify us as troublemakers rather than us having to do it. Okay? Because the enemy is not happy with what the church is doing, what believers are doing, what Jesus has already done. And there are different methods that you can use to be a troublemaker. Um, but I'm going to talk to you a little bit today about how God wants us to be troublemakers. Now, one of the things about this particular story that I found interesting was the troublemakers, the word even troublemaker in the story, is not referred to believers. These are people that are easily swayed. It says here that the Jews who listened and were, excuse me, but some of the Jews were jealous. So they gathered some troublemakers from the marketplace to form a mob and start a riot. You never saw Jesus do that. You never saw Daniel do that. And believe it or not, you didn't see Paul and Silas do that either. As a matter of fact, uh, I remember reading this going, oh, this is where Paul and Silas are troublemakers. They're not even there to take the credit for it. You see, the troublemakers came to arrest them. And then you know what happened? The people had been in prayer, and they went, hey, Paul, Silas, we think you guys should go elsewhere. Go ahead. We've got this. And what do they do? They go to the house where he's staying. They went to Paul's Airbnb. They yanked the property manager out, Jason, and they brought him and some of the other believers in front of the courts. And the judge is like, So you mean to tell me that the people you've brought before me aren't even the ones you're upset with? Can I just tell you how funny that story is to me? I want you to think about this. Imagine that you had siblings who came and started doing all this stuff, and you just felt, hey, mom and dad are going to be home soon. You better go get out of here before you get in trouble for this. 
and they go, okay, thanks, and then they leave, and mom and dad come home, and you get in trouble for what they did. Now, I'm not telling you that Jason's faith is super strong, but if I'm being blamed for something somebody else did, I'd be a little upset with the methods of what that person had done. But that's the resolve Jason had. That's the resolve that the believers of the area had. You know, I find it funny. I was reading, um, I have this really old book. And when I say old, like it was published in 1862. And it breaks down, it's a, concord, a uh, commentary that breaks down some things. And when it got to the term prominent women, it was really cool because they were saying influential women of the day. So all you people who run around and go, look, Pastor Pete, things were different. Women were supposed to be seen and not heard. Guys, taking some things out of context here. See, they mention a whole group of people, and I will tell you, ladies, it was equal opportunity. I guarantee you they grabbed some of you all, too. Pulled into the thing. We're upset. We're frustrated. Oh, but Pastor Pete, Paul's the one who said that women shouldn't talk. It's actually a response letter. So if you read it, Paul's reading out that scripture where, he, where it says, should women speak? And then it says, no. Or should women be quiet? And Paul actually reads it where it goes, no, because it's his response to their question. Women should be allowed to speak in church. Women should be allowed to serve in church. Women should be allowed to do a bunch of, I'm sorry, that's a whole other message. I'm coming back to it. Sorry. Guys, I want to apologize for all the elbows you just received in your side. Um, those bruises will heal and uh, stop being a sissy. I can tell you that, see, God's purpose was for all to know. I can tell you that when Paul and Silas showed up, they were just preaching the word. It was not easy for them there. We read stories about Paul, and we go, oh, and he went to prison, and oh, here he was on house arrest, and we picture this glorious home. Do you know they talk about how some of the places that Paul was when he was in prison in Rome may have been a crate that they locked around his head so his arms and feet were inside of a box and his head was the only thing above and that's how he dictated some of Acts to Luke? Yeah, <laughs> sounds real great, doesn't it? Well, if I could just be like Paul. No, thank you. Oh, but he was... He's only stoned a few times and not in the way that like people talk about today. It was not the good thing. Not that that's, a, that's not a good, never mind. This is why I go to a different church. But you see, we want to live our lives like them. This is that one moment where that association was the problem. Are you going to be an associate of a troublemaker? They, they claim that Paul and Silas were turning the world upside down. And I find it funny that the same groups of folks that persecuted Jesus are the same ones who have an issue in Thessalonica. The same people who should have been waiting for the Messiah. The same people who should have embraced that news of the Messiah. Oh, but Pastor Pete, I get it, because Jason, so, you know, he was part of that group. He probably was, you know, Jason's mentioned again in Romans. When Paul's writing his letter to the, to the church, he says, 
He goes, and uh, send my greetings with Jason. That wasn't the last time he was there. You see, the troublemakers tried to derail those that were turning the world upside down. Today I want to talk to you about the methods of a troublemaker. Using the methods of a troublemaker, the first thing we're going to need is a reputation. Now, uh, some of you might be like, oh, reputation, what does that have to do with anything, Pastor? Listen, a reputation is how you are viewed. There are people who remembered me from the last time I was here, and when they met, uh, I'm going to rat out. No, I'm not going to rat them out. I'll just say this. I have had multiple folks come up to me since me and my family came back uh, and said, wow, you've really matured. Thank you. Um, wow. Wow, you've really, like you've, you're really following God now. What was my reputation before? Don't tell me if you know it. Okay? When my wife and I started dating, let's just say I had a few um, people in the church come up to me uh, demand is a, probably the more appropriate word as to what my intentions w with her were. Because I was not the guy, and I say this, my mother-in-law's in here, so I'm just going to let you all know. <laughs> not everybody was happy that I was dating Hannah. She may not have been happy that I was dating Hannah. She may still not be happy that I'm with <laughs> Hannah. But I'm here to tell you we're about 18 years into marriage now, almost 19. You see, God did a work in me. I would love to tell you, like, here's how it goes. Pete, you've grown so much. Oh, Hannah, you're the same. <laughs> the reputation. You see, the reputation precedes you. The reputation do you, is your reputation that you're the guy that I can go to to pr ask for prayer when I've got a sickness in my family? Or is your reputation the, I'd go talk to him about a church, but I feel he's just going to condemn me for the issue that I've got. See, our reputation is vital. What do most people say? Oh, the church... <laughs> They're just full of hypocrites. You're right. We got plenty of room for you. Sorry, that's offensive. Uh, but you see, they're right. Only in the sense of we had the issues. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, we no longer have to live under those issues. It's kind of like that person that finds out they won the lottery and they go out and immediately spend everything before they turn in the ticket. But you see, we, our faith isn't in a ticket. Our faith is in the eternal God and His Son and what they've done. In 1 Thessalonians 1.8, this is Paul writing to this church in Thessalonica afterwards. 
He says, and now the word of the Lord is ringing out from you people everywhere, even beyond Macedonia and Achaia. And, and wherever we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God. We don't need to tell them about it. Imagine you showing up to a place and they go, oh, you don't need to tell me about God. We've heard that that's your reputation. As a matter of fact, we've already heard about it because the people you minister to. Do you know how wonderful it is when I sit there and I'll tell people, because they'll ask, because as a kid's pastor, I buy weird things. Just going to be real with you. Weird things. One day, I bought three things of super glue and little red pom-pom balls. And the lady said this, wow, I'm not going to ask what prank you're doing. I said, it's not a prank. I'm a kid's pastor. And I help, and this is for the lesson for our little kids. And she goes, oh, what church? <laughs> well, I go to Victory Church. <gasps> you know, I've heard about them. I said, oh, you have? What have you heard? Oh, well, they're such a nice church. They're right there off Middle Road, right? Yep. And I'm getting ready to say, how come I haven't seen you? And she kept talking. Oh, but you know, I've been wondering, I've been looking for a church to go to, but you know, we, uh, we try to watch stuff online and we, and I said, why don't you come on a Sunday? Oh, well, Pastor Pete, you're a pastor. You're supposed to invite people to church. Yeah, but so are you. <laughs> Can I be real with you? I invite my neighbors all the time. They're about sick of hearing from me. <laughs> my neighbor, Ron, sweetest guy, he's actually a uh, trustee in a church in Stephen City. And I go, Ron, when am I going to see you in <laughs> Yes, I'm even poaching from another church. <laughs> Just, okay. Why? Because I love this church. I love what God's doing here. You want to show how much you care about this church and how much you care about us and appreciate us as pastors? Go out and tell somebody about this church today. Tell them about Jesus Christ today. Share. You might say, oh, but Pastor Pete, that's not right. I don't care. My reputation is not very good, apparently, so I ain't ruining nothing. What is your reputation? How does the world view you? Number two today is execution. Ooh, this sounds really intense. I'm talking about doing stuff, okay? It's just, it sounded better in the alliteration. So reputation's number one. Number two is execution. What are you doing for the kingdom? In Acts 17, verse 6, it said... <laughs> Not finding them there, they dragged Jason and some of the other believers instead and took them before the city council. Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world, they shouted, and now they're disturbing our city too. See, Jason was so faithful that even after they left, they went, uh, uh, you, you'll do. And they yanked them along to stay in trial in Paul and Silas's place. 
It'd be like if they were looking for Pastor Keith and Pastor Len, and they settled for me. I didn't do it. I want you to think about that. What are you doing for the kingdom that would warrant you being associated with those who are turning the world upside down? The troublemakers for Christ. Are you living your life out how your reputation says you are? And some of you might be like, Pastor Pete, you're asking a lot of questions and usually you're just funny and this is a little much for me. I told you, pull your toes in. What are you doing for the kingdom? Are you involved in a connect group with our church? Are you helping out with the food pantry or the kids ministry or the youth ministry or the worship team? Are you involved in the other ministries that we have around here? Are you signing up to be at the events? You know, one of the reasons we do these events is to help you break down a simple barrier between you and somebody who doesn't go to church. Oh, Pastor Pete, listen, things like trunk or treat, I'm just smiling and handing them candy. Sometimes that's all it takes. Sometimes that's what's needed to plant the seed. Sometimes that's what's needed to dig the hole, break up the ground, and put, it in, and put that seed in there. We often forget how simple the kingdom of God can be. You know, we should just be doing things like what Jesus did. Yes, do them. Jesus fed people. Jesus talked to people. You ready? Jesus listened to people. Jesus went where they were, not prayed. You know, we're supposed to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers. Some of you are getting that email from God to go and be a laborer, and you're like, I'll get to it later. Remind me later. The execution of how you do things. You know, one of my favorite things to, to fool with on this planet is Legos. Anybody here a Lego fan? My children, I gave them a little bit of a Lego, like, start. It's a problem now. There's a small city in my home that I am very concerned may take over the entire house. That being said... Legos come with instructions. You know, the beauty of Legos is you can build them however you want. They all snap together. And as a matter of fact, that's some of the fun afterwards, right? But there's an instruction that has to be followed, and you have to follow said instructions. When my children were little, they used to skip a step to jump ahead. We don't do that no more. They learned. Dad, why is this not working? Well, step number 13, yeah, but I wanted to do this part. They've now learned to follow the instructions. Pretty sure God gave us instructions of what to do. First one is reputation. How are you being viewed? As? Number two is execution. What do you do? The third, dedication. How far are you willing to go? Now, I'm just letting you all know, if this feels an extra minute or two long, I'm not a three-point pastor. I usually do one point. But God dropped three in my heart, and I was like, I got to do that. 
dedication. How far are you willing to go? What are you willing to get accomplished for the kingdom? Jason was willing to stand on trial for Paul and Silas. And then was made to still post bond. He still had to pay the fines that were set for Paul and Silas. And you might be like, well, Jason was probably very wealthy. That's why Paul stayed with him. <laughs> As a matter of fact, in uh, 1 Thessalonians 2.9, it says this. Don't you remember, dear brothers and sisters, how hard we worked among you? Day and night we toiled to earn a living so that we would not burden any of you as we preached God's good news. Me thinks Jason was not very wealthy. Paul had to have side hustles. That's how important the kingdom of God was to him. <laughs> the people of the city, as well as the city council, were thrown into turmoil by these reports. This is uh, Acts 17, 8, 9. So the officials forced Jason and the other believers to post bond when they release him. How messed up is that? You know what that was? That was the officials who showed up and went, listen, this is the stupidest case I've ever seen. You guys are trying to try the people who aren't even here with these people. But I better get my fees. Right? That sounds just like government, doesn't it? Oh, but Pastor Pete, we have to have faith in our government. No, you have to have faith in God. I'm just telling you, I have lived multiple places, different countries, multiple places around the world. As a matter of fact, when I left Germany in the late 80s, uh, a month later, they tore down the Iron Curtain because the threat was gone. And communism fell because they were like, look, Pete's gone, we're good. We can admit this now. The problem is, I've seen a lot of stuff. If you've been on a mission trip, you've seen how other countries live. If you were born in another country, you know how other countries are. We are very fortunate. I don't say that to speak down to these other places. I say that to say we are very fortunate where we are. People who are living fortunately tend to act very entitled and bratty. We are still subservient to God. I had somebody one day ask me, what are you going to do if so-and-so gets elected president? Same thing I do every day. Amen. Trust God. Amen. You know why? I hate to tell you this. Can I, can I share something real quick with y'all? We have access to the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Amen. The God, the creator of the universe. Do you know what that means for all those folks? And I do not mean disrespect to any elected officials. But they're middle management compared to God. Okay? My father was army. 21 and a half years. You know what happened if he had a problem? He went to his boss and kept going up the chain of command. Can I tell you? We get to go to the top of the chain if we have a problem. You see... To be a troublemaker in this world is to follow Christ while spreading the good word about him. Jesus did it with his ministry. Daniel did it with his mentality. And Paul and Silas did it with their methods. And they brought Jason along for the ride. 
Troublemakers start movements that upset the world with a counterculture that does not come with what is expected. See, too often we're looking for what we think it's going to happen. Can I be real with you? <laughs> when I went into ministry, um, at the time I was actually looking for an employment. I did not have a job at the time. And uh, I was praying and seeking God. When I say I didn't have a job, I had a job, but it was 100% commission, and the market for the job that I was in was not very good. After spending about eight hours on the phone trying to drum up business, um, it was not profitable. So I kind of say I didn't have a job because to me, when you have a job, you get paid. Um, that being said, I remember specifically I had interviewed with multiple churches to become a youth pastor. And it always came down to me and one other person. And I remember getting angry and going, God, why? Are you mad at me? <laughs> then this church calls me up. It goes, Pete, we'd really love you to be our youth pastor. And I was like, praise God. And he goes, but I'd like to come down and talk to you about it. And I was like, now just so you know, usually you have to go to them. They don't come to you. So part of me was like, well, that's different. So we met. And he said, Pete, I, we want you so bad. We love your heart and your desire. Here's the thing, though. We don't have any money to pay you. Well, all right, God. How's that going to work? And I was so excited, though, for the opportunity to serve that I just said, yes. And with his wisdom, he said, talk to your wife first. I don't know where they got immature from, but I can tell you that when I went and prayed and trusted God, he said, yep, go to that. That's what you're supposed to do. And I talked to my wife, and she confirmed what God said, which is how I really knew it was God. Two weeks into, I was literally setting up the office, and I get a phone call from a job that hired me, and I said, listen, I'm also a youth pastor, and I have to be able to have the, like I was being almost mean, like you, I can't have this day and no Sundays and this and that. And they were like, yeah, no problem. And it was not easy. I wouldn't even give it air quotes of easy. Then I began working seven days a week, which was okay. And there were times where God would just move and help us. And then I remember, I remember this vividly. I was mad. I was tired. You ever been there? Tired and mad at the same time? I don't know how that happens. I was mad and I was tired and I said, God, trying to do this, is, it's a bit much. I need you to do something and I need you to do it like now. Not, Lord, I'm believing for six months from now, fix it. Like, I'm believing right now. Hour and a half later, my phone buzzed with a text message from my pastor and he said, hey, some things have changed and some stuff has happened. We need to talk about you coming on full time. And I remember 
getting down on my knees and crying because when I first went into ministry, it wasn't how I wanted it to look. And can I be real with you all? I always, even after I left here and went and was youth pastoring around, my heart was always here. And I never understood why I had to leave. Apparently I wasn't mature enough. God had to do some work in me. But I remember my most favorite phone call that I've ever received from anybody besides my wife because I have to put that caveat in there, was Pastor Keith when he called me and he said, hey, are you ready to come home? Let me tell you something, church. This is not just a place to come and check a box so that you can say you're a good person because you showed up. This is not, by walking in these doors, this is not how you get to heaven, just by walking in. I'm, just, I'm here to tell you, it's not how it works. It's about putting in the work. It's about being a troublemaker to the world sometimes. It's about disrupting what you think should happen. We need to unashamedly follow and imitate Jesus to reach the world. We have a lot of folks out there that are screaming, it's the end times, it's the end times. And it is. Do you know how we know? because Jesus told us it was the end times 2,000 years ago. Folks, we're not in the end times. We're in the end minutes and seconds. My question is, is if you truly believe that, what are you doing to expand the kingdom of heaven? See, Paul and Silas ran around turning the world upside down, and they brought Jason with them and all the friends with them. Let me tell you something. Who are you bringing with you? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Our vision is that you would experience Victory Church as a place to call home. We do this by encountering God through worship, embracing community through relationship, and expanding the kingdom of God through service. Find out more about Victory at victorywinchester.com.